all a, a matter of perspective. You can't do everything, but I honestly believe that you can do anything. Feel stuck with work? Press pause and listen in. Talk Human to Me, a podcast for entrepreneurs with nothing about entrepreneurship. In our show, founders take a break and talk to us about their identity beyond their company. I'm Jeff Shao, your host for today. In this episode, supported by The Abstract and Maori Audio, I talk with Yen Trang, Chief Business and Technology Officer of Breathe for Change. But what he does is only part of who he is. What about his past life made him not care that much about being present? And how did his parents teach him not to let ego get in the way of asking for help? Grab a seat and kick back while our guest reflects and reconnects with the personal experiences and roots that created a foundation for their values, philosophies, and outlook on humans. We start each episode with the same question. What about humans strikes you the most? I would say what strikes me about humans the most is the potential of what humans can do individually, but even more so what humans can do collectively when inspired by a strong enough cause, movement, belief, and just the potential of what they can create with one another. And that manifests itself in a lot of different ways across history, present day, and going forward. So that's something that whenever I'm walking or running and I see something and it's a lot of it is humans that have created this and it's not necessarily always good there's bad also there's certainly times in which the extent of human potential has manifested itself in a very unfortunate way same as collectively as well so what surprises me most or what is remarkable is the potential of humans individually and more so collectively it's interesting that you did have that recognition and observation that whether as an individual, whether collectively, there's so many amazing things and also equally absolutely terrible things that can happen. You also did kind of really lean into the observation of what we can do collectively. Why does doing something collectively mean something to you? I thought and that has been on my mind a lot recently is a, this nothing new, but it's just the concept of connection and human connection and how there's a lot that we can do individually, but there's so much more that we can do collectively. And to me, at least it's also more meaningful to do it collectively because it's your sharing your hopes, your dreams, your ambitions, your fears, your vulnerabilities. And there's so much more you can learn and achieve when doing it with someone else. And that's personally what I find very rewarding and gratifying. So I recently left the job that I'd been at for the past several years. And when you take 
have a moment to step back and reflect and figure out what's important to you and what drives you, what moves you, what excites you, what gets you out of bed. One of the common threads that I kept on seeing come up over and over again was the experiences in which I found most gratifying and most rewarding and most fulfilling and most enriching had the common thread of community and connectedness and togetherness. And then so that's a thought that I've been exploring and delving into more and more uh, recently. Now that you have this furlough, this, this moment of pause, what are some communities that have been very present in your life that you're like, I, wow, this is what this community means to me? I'd say for most of my life, community has always been important to me and it's always played a huge role in my life. There may have been times in which it's less front and center from, from, from a mindset perspective, but I've always been very intentional and deliberate around making sure that the communities that I, that mean the most to me are something that I always prioritize. So I wouldn't say that with this newfound time, it's necessarily that I spend more time with it, but it's something that I've just thought more deliberately about. And I think community can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You can have community, obviously, with your family, your friends, your loved ones, your coworkers, shared interests, your your neighbors. And that's just something that I've been reflecting more and more about recently, about what are the communities that I'm a part of? What are the communities that I want to invest more of my time in? What are the communities that I don't want to invest my time in? Because I think it's just as important to figure out things that you want to do versus as well as things that you don't want to do because intentionally saying no to something is so that you can do more of something else. Why is that so hard for people to do, to say no? Like you mentioned, that in itself affords space to do the things that you want to do. Yeah, it's... It's still hard for me to say no now, but I think I am certainly better at saying no now than I was two years ago, but I won't be as good today as I will be next week at saying no, the things that aren't as aligned with who I am and where I want to go. But in terms of why it has been hard for me to say no is, I think there are a couple items that are at play. When you don't have a clear sense of your purpose or your direction, then it's harder to say no because you're a little bit more reactive. You let things come to you and you don't have a clear compass of where you want to go. So when things come at you, it could seem right initially, but if you don't have a clear sense of who you are, how you're aligned, your values and where you want to go, it's easy, easier to just say yes to like go with the flow. And so there's, there isn't anything wrong with that. It's fine to be in a very exploratory phase and find out what might make sense for you. But in times where I've found myself more likely not to say no, it's when I haven't had as much of a clear direction or purpose of where I wanted to go. And that could mean a lot of different things. It could be for a job. It could be for a relationship. It could be for a specific endeavor. So it doesn't necessarily have to mean life in general, but it could be much more localized than that. And then I'd say the other reason why it's 
it's been hard for me to say no is you there's a sense of you don't want to or at least I don't want to let other people down. I was just reflecting on that how potential can lead to terrible things. Do you feel that when people don't really meditate on what the purpose is for themselves and how they want to show up in this world, that's when it can lead to pretty horrifying potential? I think it certainly increases the chances, but where I was going more with that is when you have a more clear sense of who you are and where you want to go, then then that helps unlock the true magic of human potential um, for you and the communities that you care most about. It's more gratifying when you are intentionally doing something and making progress towards a goal. And it's, it's a hard thing to do because asking the hard questions about what do you care about? What don't you care about? How do I want to spend my time? Why have, why have the things, like, why did I do the things that I did previously? In this day and age, I think we are very accustomed to always be on the go and constant notifications. The multitasking mentality is sometimes glorified. So I've really been trying to be much more present in every moment. That's why I turned off my phone. <laughs> and in 2019, the the three words that I've, I've been trying to embody is purpose, passion, and presence. And those were three words that had come to my mind somewhat randomly, but the more I thought about it, they are all very interrelated with one another. And I feel that when you have are closer to finding what your purpose is or what you think your purpose is, you're able to explore that with more passion and when you do that, you essentially have this greater amount of presence because you're not constantly looking to say, hey, am I missing out on something? Is there something else I should be doing? Is there somewhere else I should be at? Uh, you're just very content with the here and the now, and it allows you to be more present. And I think there's a feedback loop because even when you are more present, it allows you to lean in a little bit more to who you really are and figure out, hey, is this really what I want to do? Is this really my purpose and my passion? Let's take a break. Also, a quick word about one of our supporters. So we don't do canned ad spots at Talk Human to Me. We want to get to know the humans behind the sponsors we work with. I'm going to give Lala Openi a quick call, the co-founder and creative director of The Abstract. Hello? Hey, Lala, this is Jeff. So I wanted our listeners to get to know you and your company a bit better. What value does your company have that personally means a lot to you? With the abstract, our practice is essentially healing and dealing, sharing and caring. Um, This personally means a lot to me because it demystifies mental health work and reminds me that we're all living through the same human condition together. Like none of us lives in a bubble. 
And in my own journey to healing, it's been a give and take, ebb and flow, rest and recovery, coping and resiliency. Um, it's definitely hard work, but I've learned that sometimes the most profound work I can do is, is to keep things simple. Take some deep breaths, remember that I love and accept myself and my emotions as they are. There's enough organized chaos and disconnect that we deal with on a day-to-day. Healing and dealing and sharing and caring is not only important, it's revolutionary. Thank you, Lala. Now, back to the conversation. It was interesting saying, hearing you say these three words came to you just suddenly, naturally. And then, and then it was after that fact that you started to meditate on it, right? And really understand like, oh, what do these words mean to me? Yeah. What were some of the experiences of, of your life, like your relationship with your brother? Yeah. Uh, relationship with your parents that eventually kind of led you to have this this central compass this north star i mean i was very lucky growing up anything that i ever wanted my parents would find a way to either afford me the opportunity or explain to me why it wasn't possible so both from um, like a means perspective but also from a the morals and values and compass that I have today is in large part because of the values that my parents and family instilled in me. So super grateful. And my dad's name is Quang, Q-U-A-N-G. And then my mom's name is Fong, P-H-U-O-N-G. Mm-hmm. And it'd be a stretch for me to say that as a six-year-old, I knew what my purpose is. And <laughs> <laughs> I think my purpose as a six-year-old was to win that game of, dodgeball or knockout in basketball i think everyone has a different purpose at a different stage in their life and purpose is all relative purpose could just be what's important to you in that moment and then i yeah i'd say i had a lot of passion as a kid i was super passionate in all school i was i loved learning whether that was math science reading writing i if you asked nine-year-old yen I probably wouldn't describe it as passion. I would just say, oh, I like it a lot. But as a nine-year-old, liking something a lot probably is a passion. Probably of the three, the least of what I had was probably presence. I think as a kid, you're always in a lot of different places at a lot of different times, and your mind is always bouncing around, at least mine was, uh, always looking at that shiny object. So presence is of the three, probably the one that I've tried to cultivate the most recently. Whereas, yeah, I would say I have definitely had a lot of purpose and passion throughout my life in different ways, in large part because of how lucky I was in the values and the family that I was so fortunate to have. What about presence has been something that you were not able to cultivate until recently? Honestly, I didn't really think it was that important until recently that I very much also glorified the the idea of multitasking. I was always, my previous job, I worked a lot and had to react to different things that would come up very quickly. And so it was a job that, that rewarded multitasking and quick reaction and not... Obviously, you wanted to make the right decision, but there were so many different things that could come up, and you had to make split-second judgments, and 
you just had to be right more often than you were wrong. And then so that was a a habit and a lifestyle and a way of being that was a big part of my life for most of my adult life. And that manifested itself in in different ways where I would always be checking my email or checking Slack or checking if a news event that would come up that would affect the financial markets that I was involved in. And it, and it worked out for me. It paid off very well. And then it was only recently as I've stepped away from that a little bit more where I realized how much more you can unpack very simple ideas that have much more meaning as as you simmer and meditate on it a little bit longer. So it's definitely something that has been more prevalent as... I've had this time and space to explore it more. Do you feel creating that space for you has caused you to sacrifice some of the things that you were able to gain and some of the things that you were able to accumulate with that kind of constant go, go, go multitasking mindset? Not not so much. Again, I think it's all a, a matter of perspective you just have to choose what is most important to you and realize you you can't do everything but I honestly believe that you can do anything and it goes back to the whole saying no where you're not saying no because you can't do something you're saying no so you can say yes to something more important and that all leads back to what's more important and how do you know something is more important is because it's ideally aligned with your purpose and your passion. And how do you know what your purpose and passion are? It helps if you're present to really experience the moment and then figure out in being present, these are the things that bring me joy or align with who I want to be. And then it's then becomes a positive feedback loop of, Being more present allows you to figure out more about what's your purpose and your passion and when you are doing things that you find purposeful and that you have passion in, that naturally allows you to be more present. And it's just been something that I've been thinking a lot more about recently. And yeah, I don't view it as a trade-off. I think my younger self would have like, oh, me doing this thing and saying no to the other thing is a cost, but I view it as it's allowing me to do the things that I care about more, more, which seems like a, a good thing. What are some of the things that you care about as a human being lately? Yeah, it goes back to what I had said about just the connectedness and togetherness. I love spending time with close friends, having meaningful conversations like this, and really delving into the things that make me excited or not excited, angry, sad, as well as the things that make you and my friends excited, mad, angry, upset. Mm -hmm. Because again, I think it all goes back to, part of it goes back to what you had asked me initially around what about humans strikes strikes me the most. And I had said something about like human potential. And I think in connecting or having meaningful conversations with others that really allows us to 
better unlock our own individual potential, but as well as the collective potential that I think is so magical. When you talk about this, it almost seems like individual potential is almost impossible without collective thought and finding that collective potential as well. Or do you think it's just extremely limited? To steal the words of the great Neil Armstrong, (laughs) I honestly believe it makes sense where he says it's one small step for man, but one giant leap for mankind. And my interpretation of that is that it's easier to do things by yourself individually because there's less ego and insecurities involved with working with someone else and there's less conflict and less emotions. But I honestly believe that there's only so much one can do by themselves. So there's still a lot people can do individually. But I just have the, the fundamental belief that there's so much more we can do when we work together. Let's take a break. Also, a quick word about one of our supporters. So we don't do canned ad spots at Talk Human to Me. We want to get to know the humans behind the sponsors that we work with. I'm going to give Mauricio Escamilla a quick call, the founder and executive creator of Maori Audio, a full-service audio, sound design, and music production studio based in Ridgewood, Queens, New York. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Mauricio. So I wanted our listeners to get to know you and your company a bit better. What core value of Maori Audio personally means a lot to you? Maori Audio is the culmination of my love for music, sound, and expressive production. Drawn to music and sound at a young age, I decided to focus on the science of it all, how to capture and truly make sound as emotive and powerful as it needs to be in order to fully move and impact the viewer and listener. A core value would be working with those whose voice needs to be amplified. I've had the pleasure of working with many independent artists, producers, and filmmakers to make their production as strong as it can be. Amplifying the voice of the voiceless, specifically marginalized people, is a big part of my work. And it brings me joy and fulfillment as a person of color from immigrant parents to be able to do that. Now, back to the conversation. What were some things for you personally that if you didn't have community, it would have been very, very hard. Yeah. Whenever I think about the times that I struggled the most or had the most difficulty in like finding out who I was, it was always in the community, whether that's family or an organization or school or friends that I helped both find most solace but also help me find out like who I was and how to move forward. I think we're always in, we're always somewhere along the journey. The journey is never over, but I'm much further along in that journey today than I was 15 years ago or 20 years ago. And part of me, what I'm thinking about now is how can I give back to the communities that have given so much to me and that continue to give to me I am fortunate to be in a mindset or in a position where I can 
take some of the lessons that I've learned and help others who are or were similar to where I was a long time ago. What are some of those communities? Yeah, so I was born with a condition called achondroplasia, which is a form of dwarfism. So my arms and legs are shorter. If you've watched Game of Thrones, it's the same condition that Peter Dinklage has. Mm-hmm. So both of my parents are average height. And growing up in any society, I think, is hard. But when you have some additional differences, then it makes it harder. And so when you were saying in what ways have communities supported me, it's first and foremost the community of my mom, my dad, my brother, and my extended family and my friends. They've always raised me as I was just like anyone else. My parents made me do all the same chores that my brother had to do. It just took me twice as long to do it. And then so that really instilled in me a sense of a sense of self-confidence as well as a sense of resilience, perseverance that that if you that if they weren't going to treat me any different, I shouldn't view myself any differently. But also to be mindful and be humble enough to know that there are certainly things that will take me longer or things that I can't do. So when those things arise, you should just ask for help. And that's something that I am really appreciative of them balancing the two of, hey, like you probably have more potential to do something than you th- might think you have. But when you've really given it all your all, don't be afraid or don't let your ego get in the way of asking for help. And I think that's a very hard and difficult balance even for me now because how do you know the right balance in addition to my parents there was this organization called little people of america that helps individuals and families with dwarfism with resources medical advice advocacy awareness and it's been a nonprofit organization that my family and I were involved with when I was really young and has helped out in various circumstances growing up. And it's an organization that still means a lot to me today and I'm very involved with and try to figure out how I can continue to give back and help out where I can. It sounds like just the way that your family really instilled values in you, the relationships that you have with people have allowed you to transition your mind into how can I give back? How can I show people gratitude? Is that tendency, is that for you, do you think that's common in human beings? Is that a natural thing? Does it take practice? It's hard for me to generalize to humans, but I think I can certainly say the people that I enjoy spending most of my time with are ones who do express the gratitude And it certainly was harder for me to be grateful earlier on because, again, that goes back to that level of presence because only when you're present and a little bit more reflective can you truly look at, yes, things aren't going well, but these are a lot of things that are going really, really well. And to be able to focus on those items, I think, takes a certain level of self-reflection and introspection that I certainly have more of now than I did 
previously. And those are certain items that just grow with age, grow with experiences, grow with upbringing. I would say that I think no matter how much gratitude that there is, I think we could all benefit from showing ourselves as well as our loved ones and even strangers a little bit more gratitude. Is gratitude not possible when you're not present? It certainly is harder. A thought that was front and center for me because I was always, hey, okay, on to the next thing. Like being grateful is a part of the reflection process. It's things that went well or things that didn't go well. And being reflective a lot of times is hard because it's very vulnerable. It forces you to think about certain biases or insecurities that you have that influence the outcome of an event and for the better or for the worse. For me, it was easier to just move on to the next thing versus, okay, let me think about why that went well or why that didn't go well and what would I have done differently the next time. So I don't think that's, at least it wasn't for me, a very natural thing to do. But the more I started doing it, I realized, hey, this is actually very enriching, really fulfilling, and it's actually what allows me to grow and learn and develop more. So talking with our guests, I noticed certain emotions come up, not just in them, but also in other founders. This got me curious about the psychology and science behind that. I called up Dr. Alana Nankin, who is a PhD in education, specializing in curriculum and instruction. Her research revealed the critical connection between educator well-being and student learning and how powerful wellness practices like mindfulness and yoga can be for teachers and students' lives. You can find more information about her at breatheforchange.com backslash about. So part of her work and research can help us understand why people, especially entrepreneurs, seem to default to multitasking and stretching their attention. Let's have her drop some knowledge on us. Hello? Hey, Dr. Nankin. This is Jeff. I got a question for you. We hear so many testimonies from people about getting healthier, happier, once they take more time to be in the moment and present in their life. So why do humans, particularly entrepreneurs, seem to deprioritize this way of thinking and default to a multitasking nonstop mindset, which we've seen frequently leads to physical and mental burnout? I'd love to get your insight into that. I love this question. So as a fellow entrepreneur myself, I can definitely feel the truth of this question. I think as leaders and visionaries and people who are so committed to seeing our visions come into a reality, there's always something more that we can do. There's another task we can check off the to-do list and there's another person we can hire or uh, aspect of our company that we can improve and we're never enough where we are. And I tell my educators this, as people who are such givers, we give so much of ourselves to others. It's so critical that we give that same level of care and love to ourselves, that we create time every single day 
Let's do it together right now, Jeff. Let's take three collective breaths together. So take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. Again, inhale, exhale, breathe in, out with an audible sigh. When we just take a pause, the crazy lives that we live, it really does have a significant impact. And research shows that our literally the neural pathways of our brain fundamentally change and allow us to enter into a more calm, focused, productive state of, of being and also be more fulfilled and happier and healthier in our lives. So I think, you know, when you look at the thousands of tabs that are open on your Google Chrome, ask yourself, what do I really need to prioritize right now? And have that one tab open and finish that thing. Then go to the next tab and maybe even take a deep breath in between and then go back to work. And I promise you that you will definitely reap the benefits if you integrate more of these wellness practices into your life and do one thing really well at a time. Thank you, Dr. Nankin. Thank you for the awesome conversation. I hope what we've talked about has sparked some new thoughts for our listeners to reflect on. We end each episode with this question. Ultimately, what's the point of all of this? So when you told me that you were going to ask me that question, I, I was like, what is this? Is this like this as in this podcast? <laughs> this as in life this as in yeah i don't know i don't know what the point of this is and i think to relate back to the what i was saying before around purpose and passion and i think it's important to continually explore what your purpose might be but you need to do so with the understanding that you might never find your purpose. And I think that's okay. Most, a lot of fortunate people find their quote unquote purpose at a very early age and, and are pursuing it for most of their life. Whereas some people never find it. And that's just a part of the human experience. So it's great if you do, but it's also okay if you don't. It's okay to, it's great if you have the answer, but even better if you can ask the right questions. And when someone asks you a very open-ended question you don't know the answer to, it's okay to say, I don't know. Whether that question is, what's your purpose? Or whether the question is something more, less profound than that. And, and it's okay to be a little lost. And it's a little, it's okay, it's okay to, as much as I'm someone that tries to always bring order and structure to a system where there's a ton of entropy and a lot of chaos, and yeah, I'm an ENTJ, so I'm, I like things very ordered, very structured. Uh, my Excel formulas are impeccable, but sometimes you just got to embrace the ambiguity. You got to lean into the, the messiness 
and just sit there for a while. And so when you asked me, what is the point in this? A part of me was trying to think of an answer. And I realized at this moment, I don't have an answer. I honestly don't know what the point of this is. I have really enjoyed this conversation with you and just sitting here on this beautiful sunny day in San Francisco. And in this moment, I think for me, at least that's all that really matters. Find fully curated experiences of all of our episodes at talkhumantome.com backslash episodes. Also, take a look at the work and causes our guests and visiting experts deeply care about at talkhumantome.com backslash discover. We like working with sponsors that fundamentally care about helping people reflect and reconnect. Our sponsors are offering special treats to our fans directly in the show notes or at talkhumantome.com backslash sponsors. The show takes a dedicated squad. Shoutouts to designer Lala Openi for our show's artwork and to audio engineer Mauricio Escamilla for his audio wizardry. Please check out their companies and creations in the show notes or at talkhumantome.com backslash squad. And finally, infinite love to our advisors, mentors, friends, and family. You make our existence and our ability to keep going possible. Be well, be curious, practice empathy, and stay human.